Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing More than a feeling To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save your life To be powered by love I've got a bottle of water here for now. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'll actually come back to the bottle of water later. First, uh, I want to think about this psalm and our theme for this morning, which is place setter. This idea that Jesus sets the table for us, prepares a place, a place of honor. And so I'm wondering if you could, with me, uh, start by reading these verse, this verse again from Psalm 23, and we'll read it with a little spring morning pep and zip, all right? Uh, so here it is. Let's read it together. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's a beautiful promise that God prepares a place for us, that a table is set, a place of honor where our cups overflow and where uh, blessings abound. And so this is really great stuff, thinking about how God wants to bring us honor and wants to see us have honor and not shame. That's what we'll be talking about here this morning. Uh, but first I want to share, uh, some of you will probably know that I was not here last week. I went south for spring break. Uh, to Nebraska. Uh, we have friends who have a sheep farm in Nebraska, and so we spent a few days there, my wife Annie and I and our kids, and uh, they have a sheep farm, and so we spent the week being sheep farmers, and it was lambing season, and so it was so much Fun. It was just a beautiful week of, uh, you know, seeing lambs born, these little black ones were some of the cutest ones we saw. Of course, they have the little orphan pen with some bottle lambs that have to be bottle fed, which our kids just loved. Uh, it was just an absolute blast spending this time on the farm. And how fitting that it's during the season when we are studying the 23rd Psalm, the Shepherd's Psalm. And so I actually even got to learn a little bit about sheep farming. I got to see our friends use their rod and the staff that comfort me. You know that uh, Jeremy talked about last week, that hook that draws the sheep close or prods them along, depending on the situation. And uh, it was just a really great time and a great way to think and reflect a little bit about sheep, because the Bible talks about sheep so often. Uh, I also wanted to this morning uh, share a little something that I'm curious how many of you have noticed uh, in the promotion of Psalm 23, this series. How many of you notice this sheep in this image having a blue spot on its haunches? Anyone notice that? Uh, well, some of you have maybe seen it for the first time here. Uh, there it is. As we were planning this series, we had kind of already committed to this image before we actually noticed it. So we couldn't go back and we thought, well, 
We'll see how it goes. Uh, what's so interesting, though, is we think about it in light of this morning, uh, this little blue mark on his backside could really mean a couple of different things. One, it could either be a sign that this, uh, this ewe has been bred to a particular ram, and so the shepherds make a mark of a certain color, and then you know, in their records, they can track the genetic lines of the sheep. Or it also could mean that there is some kind of problem with the sheep, something that the shepherds are wanting to keep an eye on, that uh, maybe it's a health concern or something that they're really just needing to be aware of. And so they mark these sheep for different reasons so that they can keep track of it. We saw this when we were at our friend's farm. I go back to these pictures of us on our farm, our favorite cute little lambs there. Uh, those black lambs, you notice that their mother has a mark on her haunches there. And that is because uh, her udder, only half of it was producing milk. And so there was a concern that those little lambs might not be able to get enough food. So one of them might end up having to get pulled and end up in the bottle lamb pen. It might end up you know, needing some extra care. And so that was what that mark was for. I don't know if you can tell, but that uh, picture of Ben and I all bundled up, uh, in the back there's another ewe that has a mark on it. Those are sheep that haven't yet had their lambs, and that one had a mark on it because it had had some health issues earlier in its pregnancy, and so there was a real concern about whether it would be able to, in a healthy and safe way, give birth. And that lamb, that sheep, that ewe, actually died while we were there. And so these marks, you know, they can tell a part of the sheep's story in a very visible way, you know, to help the shepherd, but it's a very visible mark, sometimes of something good, sometimes of something not good, depending on the situation. And so as we think about Psalm 23, it fits because this uh, idea of honor and shame comes into Psalm 23 because Honor and shame was the way of things in the ancient biblical society. Uh, the biblical world was a world of honor and shame, where your main goal in life was to bring honor, not just to yourself, but honor to your family, and at all costs, avoid bringing shame to yourself and your family. And it was a very public ordeal. They might as well have spray-painted your backside to mark if something good or bad happened because everyone knew. That was a part of this honor and shame society thing. But the promise of Psalm 23 is that God never has a word of shame for us but rather prepares a place of honor. And so I would have been heard as a great blessing to these people who are so used to chasing honor and avoiding shame at all costs. To think about this kind of honor and shame thing and just how you know, prevalent it was in this society, I thought of kind of like three little examples to help us think of like, what is it like, how does that show up in our culture? Because fortunately, we're not really an honor-shame society in the same way that the biblical world was. Uh, but some ways that you might see little glimmers of it, I think, I think of three examples. One... How many of you grew up in a small town? Uh, I did, and in a small town, everyone knows your business, <laughs> the good and the bad, right? And so if you do something great, have an accomplishment, everyone knows, they celebrate with you. But if you screw up or do something wrong or something bad happens, they all know that too. <laughs> and there's good things about that, but there's challenges in that too. And so this honor shame, like it's a little kind of microcosm of an honor shame in a small town. 
Another example, I think about it, it's like a professional baseball player who on the back of their baseball card, it has their stats, right? So you have their batting average for every season, for the last several seasons. So you can see how did they do each season. And every time that batter gets up to bat, there on the big scoreboard is their batting average, telling everyone if they're having a good season or a bad season. It's a public score that's there for everyone to see. I don't think a lot of us have a batting average, and that's probably okay. But another example, a third kind of thing to think about this honor-shame thing is to think about your credit score. Everyone does have a credit score. If you go to get a loan, uh, they'll pull a credit score, and that tells a little bit of your financial history. The good, the bad, and everything in between gets reflected as that score. So if you combine all those things together, that kind of gets at what this honor-shame society was like. Everything you did in your entire life was put together into this honor-shame score, and you carried it with you. But it wasn't just everything that you did. It was everything your family members did, too. How do you like that? (laughs) So whether it was you or your family screwing up, that weighed on you. Whether it was you or your family bringing honor, that weighed on you. So this was this honor-shame society, the context into which the psalm writer says this, to God, God, you prepare a place before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's a promise that God never has a word of shame for us, but rather a place of honor. That God prepares a table before us, even in the presence of our enemies, even in the presence of those people who would rather see us put to shame, who would wish ill on us, God is honoring and blessing with an abundance, cups overflowing with blessing and abundance. One of my uh, other favorite stories from the Bible that gets at this is this story that we read from the New Testament from John chapter 2, the turning water into wine story. When set in this context, when we understand that this is an honor-shame society there in Jesus' day as well, it really brings some you know, new life to this story. I'm not going to reread the whole thing, but I'll read a few verses here for us. It says this in this wedding of Cana story. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And so what Jesus and anyone there would have known when they ran out of wine, that was trouble. Because a wedding was a great opportunity to bring honor to the family, to bring honor to the couple, and then honor to both of their families. But there was also some risk there. You know, the whole thing was planned as an opportunity to bring honor from the matching of the couple to the, you know, the ceremony, the planning, the reception, the celebration at the end. All of it was to bring honor to these two families. And so what a great opportunity. People will talk about it for years. But. (laughs) the quickest way to turn that honor into shame is to go ahead and run out of food or wine before the party is over because people will talk about it for years. And so this is a real major dilemma for this couple and for their families who are now facing this great shame. But Jesus, after Mary brings this up to him, has this kind of interesting response. Jesus said to her, woman, What concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. 
Of course, this is how I always talk to the women in my life. Uh, I always would say to my mother, my wife, they ask me to do something. I say, woman, are you going to tell me what to do? And then I do exactly what they asked me to do. Not because they asked me to, of course, but I was going to do that anyway, right? Uh, that's kind of how Jesus plays this. Uh, I don't know exactly why Jesus has this little bit of a sassy response, but he sure does. And yet then he sees the greater thing. He thinks about it a little bit. And then like a good Jewish boy, does exactly what his mother asked him to in the first place. But it's interesting because what Jesus brings is Jesus isn't just some other wedding guest. Uh, some of those other wedding guests maybe could have just shrugged it off and said, well, this is their shame, not my problem. But Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God incarnate. And what that promise is there is that God never has a word of shame for us, but rather a place of honor and so Jesus then performs this miracle, which is more than just turning water into wine. It's just a nice thing to do, but rather it's taking that potential shame, the shame that these families would have bore for generations, that people would have talked about for years, takes that shame and turns it into an amazing blessing. Jesus takes hundreds of gallons of water and turns it into wine, turns that shame into honor because it's not just any old wine it's the best wine that anyone has ever tasted their cups are overflowing with the abundance of blessings in that moment because god never has a word of shame for us but rather a place of honor god wants us to experience this honor from god but really also i think in our everyday lives to feel a sense of love and care from the people around us as well and that's actually why i brought up a bottle of water here this morning it wasn't to turn it into wine although that would have been quite a trick uh, i want to think about this uh, bottle of water and this bottle in particular give you a little history on it. Uh, I got this bottle of water as a case here. We buy these at the church from time to time, so it's from the closet upstairs. Uh, we buy a case of them for like four bucks, so it ends up being like 12 and a half cents for this bottle of water. But when you think about it, if you go to somewhere else, if you go to a gas station, say, uh, how much is it going to run? Probably 99 cents or a buck maybe. Then you go to a movie theater. Then you're probably paying what? Like Three bucks, maybe, same bottle of water, same amount, same brand, maybe even, but you're paying more. And then you go to a Twins game. See, I got the Twins on my mind because they're playing this year now. I'm really excited about it. And so you go there, you're paying five bucks for the same bottle of water. What's the deal? What's the difference? Same water, same brand, even, same amount. Really, the only thing that changes is the place. Each place and the people there give the bottle of water a different value. I think as we think about honor and shame and think about our own lives, there's a message to take away from this in this bottle of water in that if you find yourself uh, in life surrounded by people who are valuing you like a 12 and a half cents bottle of Menards water, it might be time to move to a different place to step away from those people somewhat and to find people who see and appreciate your true value, this value that God lifts up and celebrates, this value in who you are that's not just based on how you've done really good things or based on really how you've done bad things, some kind of honor-shame score, but a value that's based on who you are as a child of God. 
this is the message I take from this water bottle that God thinks, you know what, baby? You're a twins game bottle of water, not just some cheap thing. And so how can we surround ourselves with people who also lift up and see that value and maybe take a little time away from people who would belittle or shame us? God never has a word of shame for us, but God has a place of honor for us. I want to close with a couple of verses from the Old Testament that uh, the context may not be as familiar, but I think the words will be very familiar. Uh, These are words from the Old Testament from Numbers chapter 6, where uh, the people of Israel are, are wandering and God speaks to Moses to tell Aaron these words to speak to the people, to remind them how blessed they are, to remind them of God's promise that God loves and honors them. It says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The promise in this verse from Psalm 23 is that God is all about bringing us honor. That God doesn't have a word of shame for us. God doesn't want us to experience that shame, but rather to experience the love and grace and blessings of God that are all around us. It's not about some kind of score about how you're doing in life today that sets your value, but rather you are a blessed and loved child of God here and now as you are. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.